Is connecting with your patients important to you? But are you finding it hard to be present with your patients sometimes, especially now? Yeah, me too. Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. I'm Sarah, a medical anthropologist and team member in the Innovation Support Unit in the Department of Family Practice at the University of British Columbia. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor and also a team member in the Innovation Support Unit. So Sarah, we, we know that providers all across the province and all across everywhere are feeling burned out. We know we can't do more as providers, and so we're doing less because everything's so stretched, right? It's true. And Morgan, we also know that for patients, being connected to a provider is really important. And for providers, these connections and relationships can be restorative when things are super stretched. Yeah, and that's totally true for patients, but also for providers. But those relationships really help to um, sustain us as we go along, right? And it's relationships between the team, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast, and also between ourselves and our patients. And we started this podcast by really emphasizing teams as a protective factor for resilience and avoiding burnout. And obviously the patients are part of that too. So today we really wanted to focus on this idea of relationship-centeredness and relationships as key to maintaining or enhancing adaptive capacity in the system. So much of the value of primary care is tied to relationships. If you think about it, that's our specialty. I mean, we're not no particular organ system, but uh, it's relationships that really are the specialty in primary care. And those support continuity of care, and that value of knowing patients really helps with that over time. You know, it, it can be the little things and it can be the big things, right? Uh, I have lots and lots of stories from my own practice over the last, well, I was say almost 20 years. It's been over 20 years now. Time just goes so fast in a pandemic. I know. <laughs> you know, how, how it can be restorative for me because I know the people, right? An example I, I often tell is of a, a patient of mine, this was years ago, was, was complaining about a stats prof she had. And um, I started to smile and she got mad at me for smiling. But I smiled because I knew her so well. And the context of how school was tough for her right now was so different than when I first met her. And when I first met her, she was living on the street. And she hadn't finished high school and she wasn't in contact with her parents. And, you know, there's many, many things going on in her life. And then over many years, she got to the point where she was complaining about her stats prof and how it was frustrating and stressful for her. Right. And I was smiling. I couldn't help it. Right. Um, that to see that change over time reminded me at that point, you know, why we do this. So I can tell when I listen to you, Morgan, that idea of, you know, being there for the patient, to support them through challenges, and also to celebrate victories, right? If you know somebody, then you know just how far they've they've come in their journeys. And we know that people are happier and they're able to take more on and be more flexible or more resilient. Um, if, you know, they're, they're happy in the work they do, they find their work meaningful. Yeah, and there's so much value to that trust that we build when we take on a relationship-centered care approach, primary care. Tracy Monk, who's a huge champion for this in BC, she's the director of the Center for Relationship-Based Care, and uh, she works in a, a smaller practice on the mainland. Uh, she's very quick to emphasize the value for providers. You actually can take care of somebody you know and do a good job in 10 minutes when it's somebody you know, and a person can leave a shorter visit feeling heard and understood, especially if uh, you've built that sense of trust over time. And I feel like what a privilege that our work as family doctors, you know, it's our job to ask nosy questions and to have a, a sense of what people's lives are all about. And 
I feel like that's a source of resilience, at least for me, feeling that sense of connection over time. And you know, when we talk to people, there are so many stories like this. Really, I think almost everyone is motivated by relationships and it's relationships over time that can really allow people to see and feel the value of the work that they do. And in our discussion, I think Tracy framed this really well. Everybody is interesting. My whole career has been an opportunity to explore just how amazingly interesting every life is and how interesting every person is. I mean, I'm making it sound like it's always perfect. And of course, every day has some frustrating and irritating moments. Anyway, every day is full of amazing stories. I mean, everybody becomes interesting, right? <laughs> I think that's so true. And we become providers because of that motivation to help and make a difference for people globally, but clinically, and to help them, you know, sometimes slowly, um, move towards a place where they're ready to make different kinds of change in their life. You plant those seeds at each individual visit. Um, and by planting those seeds and knowing the stressors and building that trust, when the patient is ready, they're going to be able to come to you to say, I'm able to, you know, perhaps deal with some of those traumas in their past. I'm finally ready to address my smoking or I'm finally able to address my stress and anxiety. But they can only do that if they have a trusting relationship with a care provider and a well-supported team. Jeanette Boyd spoke in the very first webinar that we ever did in Team Up on uh, relationship-centered care. So this is kind of a, an interesting thing to loop back to. What Jeanette highlights here is that it's so important for providers to be connected to patients. This connection is also really important for patients, and there's real value in building trust over time. The key for team-based care is the patient knows that they are being held, that there is one place where they can go, where they feel they are at home, where they are known as a person, where they are known as an individual, and that patient's medical neighborhood will wrap around that patient and their team and that relationship that is so critical to knowing what their care needs are. So Sarah, thinking about this sort of wraparound care, really, you know, that that's facilitated by that connection for the patient with their primary care provider. And and that helps then extend that to that whole team. And that's where the patients get the benefit of team-based primary care, right? Yes, exactly. Tracy also spoke about this and shared an amazing personal example. One of my uncles had uh, terrible MS and also got uh, metastatic lung cancer and uh, towards the end of his life. He had different people coming from the health authority to his house all the time. And he began to feel like a piece of meat. Like, you know, why can't they send the same person? I want somebody who knows me. I think we don't build that in enough, that importance of knowing and feeling known. So this idea of, of being known, I think, is really powerful. And we know that if people feel known and listened to, they're happier with their care. So Carolyn Canfield, a patient colleague of ours, has spent a lot of time reflecting on this from a patient's perspective and the patient's experience. And it's always good to hear from patients. She reminded me when we were talking of the importance of active listening from her perspective. So listening, active listening, is a way to begin to plant that seed of trust and develop that relationship that repays a thousandfold. The small investment at the outset is really essential to having good outcomes in a month, in a year. And it fans out through that patient's experience. You know, Morgan, active listening is a really tangible strategy that both patients and providers can work on. And as a patient, this is so important, feeling like your provider is there for you, understands where you're coming from. 
I know this is something you do really well. I've, I've seen how you're able to make people feel comfortable and open up in different ways. Thank you. It can also be easy to skip if you're tired. Yeah. Having said that, though, it, it is restorative when you have that connection. At least I find that way when it works. And it ties in so many of the ideas that we've been touching on this season, right? Acknowledgement and gratitude and doing the little things that help build that resilience for yourself and for your patients. And I think that's an important piece of why we're bringing this back here. We know that when patients are able to identify a primary care provider that they know and trust and they can build over time, that continuity of care really leads to increased patient trust and open communication, better illness identification and management, decreased likelihood of being hospitalized, decreased emergency department visits, improvement in identification and management of chronic illness, and ultimately in patient satisfaction. Jeanette really presents a solid argument here for the importance of continuity of care. The other piece here when we think about relationship-centered care and resilience is the value of being part of a team and this idea that being part of a team becomes a protective factor for providers and for patients. Teams create and strengthen connections and really kind of give people that network of resources that they can lean on when additional supports might be needed. And, and that can help us, Sarah, too, as primary care providers because the weight's not all on us. So there's that part of it too, right? And I know some colleagues have this idea of that the relationship being central between a primary care provider and a patient, and the worry that teams may weaken that in some way. But in reality, we find that that's not the case. And often the opposite is true, especially if you work at it, the opposite will be true. Jeanette, again here, is an advocate for team-based care and really highlights the importance of this, both the flexibility side and the relationship side of things. As we all know, that early 20th century vision of a single physician being everything for any one family, as cares become more complex, is no longer sustainable. So when we build our teams, we need to build in resiliency. Um, and that includes having flexibility and crossover in terms of what your baseline level of services that your team is going to be able to provide. So we also had an opportunity to, to connect with Natasha Prodenbala, again, uh, a frequenter on this podcast. She's a nurse practitioner and a VP at uh, PHSA in BC here. She, of course, is a huge champion of team-based care as well. I think the pandemic highlighted even more the need to have a resilient workforce and to be working as teams, not only to do all the things that we already talked about in terms of optimizing scope and relying on each other in terms of patient care and the patient getting the right care at the right time, but also really working as part of a team. It makes a big difference in terms of your resilience, in terms of having colleagues and friendships and relationships that you can really rely on as part of a team. Tracy Monk works in what she describes as a small, old-fashioned practice. It's a two-doctor office with one MOA. Part of the joy has been the the small team, and I've had a, a medical office assistant for many years who's a genius and hilarious and a joy to work with, and we run a three-legged race together every day. And I know I've already talked about the MOA in my doctor's office this season and how great she is, and this kind of seems to be a theme. Um, but Tracy also, I think, went on to talk here a little bit more about the value of a broader community or a neighborhood team in the context of team-based care. I want to have a social worker who works with my practice and at several other practices, but who we know, you know, I know 
sue the social worker or for example right now i have peter the mental health clinician who's assigned to my practice and i have chloe the community nurse who supports my frail homebound patients i know them and i can connect directly with them and it is so much more efficient to take care of patients with someone you know who knows your patients too and we know that the relationships across teams is important and we've talked about that a lot I think it's important also to bring in the patient here as an important member of the team, both from a clinical perspective, but also then sort of tying the pieces together from a relationship side. And I think this idea that it really is a considerable shift in how care is being delivered and that relationships are going to be a really important part of translating that shift and what it means for patients and what it means for providers. And that part of building relationships and facilitating culture shift is going to be managing expectations. I think maybe, and this might be heresy, but maybe we have to change everybody's expectations and say, if you're attached to a clinic, that's not so bad. So yes, you have a relationship with most of the time, an individual at that clinic. It could be an RN, it could be a dietitian. It doesn't always have to be a PCP. They may see somebody else in that clinic, but all their records are there. I think that's going to get us a long way. So that was Leighton Ingwar, another patient uh, who you've heard before as well. He's been involved in a lot of things, and he might be saying something that's a bit of heresy there, I'm sure, but does raise a really good point. And I like that idea of setting appropriate expectation. I think that's so important as we move and think about the sort of system level of sustainability and supporting our system and supporting our providers and the patients and, and all the care needs that are changing. I mean, I was going to say they are evolving, but they're changing so rapidly in the last while. Carolyn brings in another interesting perspective here as well. I'm thinking about as an outcome measure that reflects a lot of attributes of systems with resilience is do patients and, and caregivers feel that they belong in the healthcare system? The feeling of belonging is complex. It's got complex mm -hmm. components. And it is relational, and it is about trust, and it is about being known, having expectations that you accept, having a role, having purpose, as well as that reciprocal exchange of information. And what I think Carolyn's done here so well is weave together these ideas of system resilience, expectations, relationships, and belonging. So much of building relationships that are central to team-based primary care comes down to putting effort into building patient-centered teams. And creating that time and space for patients and providers to build those relationships allows you to provide better care. And so that's bottom line, but it also then builds that sustainability. And what is so critical is to continue that team building over the course of time to manage these expectations. Caregivers as well really need to have a good understanding of what that team-based care is. And I think ultimately it is addressing those fears around expectations. You know, fears of care providers when you're going into the team, it's, am I going to be able to work the same way? Am I going to have that same autonomy? And Again, having protected time and intention to come together to talk about how you're going to do the workflow, to talk about how you're having decision-making, to talk about how you're communicating is going to be a really critical aspect of managing expectations amongst patients. So it's really the expectations of providers as well as patients that Jeanette speaks to here. And what she underscores, I think, is the importance of creating the space to build those relationships and safety in a team, to then allow providers to focus on relationships with the patient. And 
this is just so important if we want the transformation of primary care to be successful. This season is focused on system resilience, and many of our episodes have honed in on small changes, actions, and ideas that may support resilience. But really, it's all about relationships. It's the anthropologist in me. (laughs) Absolutely. We've intentionally focused on small change because those are things that are feasible. Also, the small changes that can increase connections and build relationship across the team with you and your patient. I think it's all important. And so today we're talking about active listening as one of those techniques that builds relationship between you and the patient. And you can encourage that, of course, and use it across the whole team. If you've been following along, everything this season really ties back to these ideas of relationship and team building, relationship-centeredness, you know, our check-ins, our gratitude, all those sorts of things. You know, Morgan, now that I'm thinking about this, I think I need to go back and revisit some active listening skills and try to put that into practice more. So we're going to invite people to uh, listen back to the first episode of of Team Up. Uh, If you want to hear more from Jeanette or or reflect on the small changes that could build relationship in your team, including your team with your patients. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to our podcast and check out teambasedcarebc.ca for resources and links to the webinar series. Thanks, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.